Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here today in The Pactum studio with none other than Pat Abendroff. Pat, what's going on on that side of the table? Mike, I am so glad to be here. Glad to be a part of the Pactumverse. The Pactumverse? Absolutely amazing. Episode 50. I can't believe we're almost, we're almost to one year. One year. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your life. Thank you for allowing us to influence you for growth and godliness, to look to Christ and look to the gospel of Christ. It is an honor, and we are thrilled to be about it. Yeah. Who would have thunk almost a year ago? That's I just know. crazy. There are days when I'd like like to do something else with my time, but <laughs> it is a labor of love, I guess. Uh, I used to have a professor who would say, weary in the work, but not weary of it. Uh, he would sing it. I'm not going to sing it, but I might sing later in the episode. Oh, boy. It just depends. We want them to stick around for the whole episode. Lots of likes and subscribes. Five stars will help me to maybe either sing or not sing. Yeah. Hey, speaking of five stars, for all our Pactumverse listeners, I don't know if you've noticed, but Spotify has gotten with the times, and you can now give ratings to your podcasts that you listen to on Spotify. That's, so That's a win-win. Yeah. Make sure you give us five stars, not only on Apple Podcasts, but Spotify and every other podcast engine that you use. Oh, nice. You know what? My sound just changed a little bit in my earbuds. What happened? Or my headphones? Did there, you change something over there? There's no telling. I don't. Oh, I didn't intentionally I thought do maybe you did. You know, Mike is getting ready to have the, the Pactum go on the road for a couple of episodes. So I am. Uh, we're, we're trying some new stuff here because we have to be ready to travel. Have gear. Pactum will travel. Well, yes. Have gear will travel. So don't be messing with my sound anymore. Sorry. Because it kind of, it's a disturbance in the force. I don't mean to disturb you. My, my, my chi is off. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are supposed to be talking about sanctification, uh, crisis and cures. That's the title of the episode. We want to talk about growth and godliness. We want to talk about what it means to be set apart in Christ, uh, all of these things that come to us as, as far as being united to Christ by faith. So sanctification, and we are going to talk a little bit about what the problem is with sanctification, or at least in Bible teaching circles, and there's a crisis, we would say. We also want to talk about its cures. We are going to rely once again upon Walter Marshall and his influence and his yeah. book on sanctification. Yep. But Mike, yeah. before we do. I'm ready. Uh, just for a little satire here. Okay. And, and I'm, I had to say it because I didn't want Pactum verse people to think we've lost <laughs> our ever-loving minds. But I do have a book here before me that was given to me by a Pactum verse member, John Widhelm. Shout out to you. Christmas gift to me. And here's what it's called. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll scratch the Walter Marshall book. Forget about those 17th century Puritan kinds. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll do this one. It was just published, I think, this year. Here's what it's called. How to be a perfect Christian. Ooh. I, why, why don't we just do this today instead? We can just we sit can here just and sit, read, yeah, we'll read that. How to Be a Perfect Christian. Subtitle is Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living. Amazing. Uh, right? Sanctification I, Crisis Cured. It, it is cured here with one book, thanks to my friend John. I'll just read a little bit to, uh, to help you understand how you can be a perfect Christian and how you can have flawless spiritual living. You heard it right here. How about this? The storms of life may howl and the rocks of doubt may threaten to dash you to pieces. But if you cling to the one sure hope that the potential to be perfect lies within you, you will succeed. Oh. 
<laughs> and then this part is written for Mike Grimes. Oh. It says, so if you want to be perfect as the great theologian Stephen Curtis Chapman once no said, way. saddle up your horses. Oh, yes. We've got a trail to blaze. That's a, that is a New York <laughs> Times bestseller if I've ever heard one. Oh, I can't stop. Just- saddle up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't stop quite yet. I'm still going to end a quote. We want you to be such a great Christian that bands will write songs of your greatness for years to come. A few decades from now, John Piper will use your life (laughs) as an example of radical, Christ-centered, God-saturated, all-satisfying sacrifice in one of his books. Maybe a super cool worship band will even write a song about you using a deep, esoteric metaphor about a hurricane or a blazing inferno. <laughs> I mean, the hits That's just good. keep on rolling. Okay, maybe just just a tad bit more. Just can, can you just like um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, just indulge me. Yes, just yes. indulge me. Just I'm a enjoying bit it. More. It's great. Okay. And then, when all is said and done, you'll be able to stand on top of the summit of living the perfect Christian life and lift your hands triumphantly like the silhouettes on those stock images your church uses <laughs> during the worship time. <laughs> oh, that's good. Re- remember, as Jesus said, it is the journey to Christian perfection that counts. Not the destination. Oh. <laughs> that's I, awesome. I mean, th- that's a word for it. Yeah. That's amazing. So the, I, I'm going to come back to that later because it will be relevant later when we talk about fellowship and church ministry. But I do need to stop. I just need to put it down. Right. Step We're away. not recording an audiobook here. Okay. It's this true. I episode. tried to do my best with Pactum Inflection. <laughs> you will be the star of your own movie. <laughs> oh man! Oh, oh, that's good, man. If it were only so easy. Thankfully, that book is satire on purpose, right? Um, but today we're not going to be talking about satire, but on purpose we are going to talk about sanctification. In particular, we're going to, we're, we are going to be talking about what Marshall calls helps. Hmm. He's talking yeah. about means to godliness, means to conformity to conformity to Christ, Christ likeness, Christian living, uh, living in a way that would honor Christ and be good for you and others. That's the, that's. What what we're talking about today right super practical yep not that all of our episodes aren't practical because right, yeah every one of them all theology is practical but here he really does give us a list it's a top 10 sort of list so we're going to follow marshall's list and speaking of marshall this isn't the first time we've talked about marshall we're returning to a conversation about walter marshall and his book the gospel mystery of sanctification and we're returning to it because uh, oh, multiple reasons. Uh, number one, last time we talked about it, it wasn't we. It wasn't we. No, it was Lone Ranger style. It was because Mike had the Rona. I had the Rona. And I had the Rona you too, the but Rona. I didn't know I had the Rona. <laughs> Thanks to Mike, I had it. But hey, you, you, can, you can tell if you listen to that episode, uh, episode 34 called Gospel Sanctification, you'll hear my voice sound like the Rona voice. The Rona voice. <laughs> But anyway, it was a good episode, I think. I just re-listened to it. Helpful information. I would commend it to you. But I spent an awful lot of the time talking about Walter Marshall writing in the 1600s, writing against Richard Baxter. Yeah. So what we – and I think it was good and appropriate. I tried to admonish Christians who promote Richard Baxter to stop doing so because he promotes neonomianism. He promotes, well, he, he undermines justification by faith alone and the finished work of Christ alone. And so we don't want to promote Baxter and his sub Protestant, sub Reformed 
bad takes on sanctification. Uh, but what we do want to promote is the right thing, which is Walter Marshall uh, in his opposition to Baxter. So mm. listen to that, but let's let's plow some new territory Yes, today. let's do that. And let's be positive in offering the helps that Marshall offers. Yep. I also want to talk about this book because when we did that episode, episode 34, I was just starting a uh, men's study of the book and I was all fired up about it. And now I'm just finishing leading the men's study of the book and I'm all fired You're up about it. You're still fired up about it and then some, right? And I wanted to get you in on the fun. So we're going to follow his 10 helps, if you will. This is from his chapter 13. Uh, we'll recommend the book in the show notes at the end. Uh, and uh, no, none of my men have quit that I'm aware of. They've, they've hung in there, even though it's puritanical at times. Hmm. Uh, they found that it's been resonating and helpful. So today, sure. for our Pactum verse men and women, we hope you hang in there as well. Yeah. So we called the episode Sanctification, Crisis, and Cures. Let's start by addressing what is the crisis? What is the sanctification crisis that Walter Marshall addresses in this chapter and we're going to be addressing today? Yeah, it's still around today. So let's think of the two extremes that are problematic when it comes to growth in godliness, trying to live the Christian life. That's what we're talking about. And the one extreme is going to be, we say you don't need to live a godly life. Mm. So it, we call it antinomianism, yeah. and it doesn't really matter. Let go, let God. Maybe because I'm perfect, as in I've been justified, I don't need to worry about my living, because after all, I'm perfect right. uh, in the eyes of God. So there's that. That's a problem, because there are people who swing the pendulum, and they they don't care about godly living, and it doesn't matter. So that's a crisis. That's a problem. Not too many years ago, when Tully and Tavichian became super popular, yeah, yeah. Uh, he probably, well, I don't, I don't know, uh, he was promoted promoting lawlessness. Sure. And so he said some right things, but he also said some wrong things. So we don't want to do that. Uh, then at the same time, the other extreme would be those who, in, in effect, deny justification sola fide. Hmm. Uh, they end up denying the gospel of grace. Maybe they say they affirm it, but by what they say about sanctification, they seem to, as we like to say on the pactum, lose their ever-loving <laughs> Protestant minds. Yes. So if you don't sound like a Protestant when you're talking about sanctification, um, that's a problem. Right. Um, so what Marshall does is he strikes that perfect balance of saying salvation is of the Lord. It's all of Christ. It's all because you're united to Christ, but you are called to live a certain way. Hmm. And so you do that by the means that God has prescribed, these means of grace. It's all of grace, but it's not let go, let God. It's not that you don't try or do things. But it's not that you try and you do these things so that perhaps God doesn't abandon you. Hmm. So, for example, on the one hand, Marshall uh, labels people carnal gospelers. Hmm. Carnal gospelers. So like they're the people who say they believe in the gospel, but then they're carnal. They're right. ungodly and yeah. they don't care. Uh, that He calls them puffed up with conceit. They have a feigned heart. Uh, he says the only thing they do, the, or the only ordinance they follow is singing hallelujahs. <laughs> so I thought it was funny. So I, I think it's good. There's the one extreme. And then the other extreme, which Marshall will go against, would be those he calls and labels the papists. Hmm. And, and we on the Pactum would say the papists and those who sound like them, even if they don't affirm their same theology, he says they run into the contrary extreme by heaping together a multitude of means of holiness, which God never commanded. Hmm. So I think that really is important for us to stop and think about because this crisis involves people who not only say it doesn't matter how you live, right? but what about people who say it does matter how you live and so therefore do this, 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 right. and yeah, this. Yeah. 
though the Bible never talks about those things. Right, yeah. And so we know, yes, Roman Catholics, but we know Protestants who would even call themselves Reformed Christians, Bible-believing Christians, who mandate extra-biblical practices for sanctification. We're going to say that that's a foul. We're going to say there's actually a balance that can only come from emphasizing union with Christ. Right. So we're united to Christ by faith. We receive Christ and all of his benefits. But that doesn't mean uh, that he doesn't tell us to do certain things. And we do certain things by following these gracious means. Uh, And what we don't want to do is borrow from other religions. We want to stick to what God says. So the crisis is choosing one or the other, both bad takes, both bad looks. Right. Yep. And we're we're going to look at the cure. The cure is going to be, let's look to Christ, not separate ourselves from Christ for growth and godliness. So let's focus on union with Christ, which our author does, Marshall does. And complementing that would be the ordinary means. Right, yeah. Ordinary means of grace, things that the Bible actually lists, gives us, exhorts us with. Uh, he calls them helps. So we're going to call them helps. Mm. We have 10, ten helps, helps to help you to live a life that honors Christ and is good for you and good for others around you. We might also call them means. So yeah. 10 means, means of grace uh, that do those sa- same very things. But we want to say it's only these. In fact, we'll have to correct that because some of the things on Marshall's list, he says, are are bad things. So Hmm. in a sense, there's about eight of these. Sure, yeah. And Pat, before we get into this 10 helps that we're going to be going over in the episode, for our Pactum listeners who may be wondering, who is this Walter Marshall? If you didn't catch the Lone Ranger episode that Pat did, uh, just a little bit on Walter Marshall. This book, The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification, was written in 1692, first published then. And Marshall, it is said that in this writing, it is to be one of the most authoritative treatments on the subject of sanctification, of this gospel mystery of sanctification. Uh, So this is an important work of Walter Marshall's, um, and it is no doubt it was applicable then and most certainly applicable now even for us in today, uh, working through these issues of sanctification, how it's essential to our spiritual life, um, and how it all depends on our union with Christ, and it is going to be tremendously helpful, we trust, as we go through this list of 10 helps. Yep. So we want to make sanctification great again. Yes. Hashtag. We want to make everything great again that we go through. We, we actually podcast. do, but we also yeah. want to make sure that Christians are aware of this book. I think there is a resurgence, as I'm observing on social media, but I also see people listing their favorite books on sanctification, and they don't list this one. Hmm. And so whatever we can do to get get it out there as far as recovering things... Um, It'll, it'll really help us with the crisis that remains, and it'll help us with these good helps. Let's get started with our list of 10 helps taken from Walter Marshall. And the let's f- make sure, like Marshall says, I'm interrupting you, that yes. we don't turn these into the end. Sure, yeah. Uh, Christ yep. is really the one we're pursuing because we're united to him, Christ-likeness. But with that said, we don't want these things to become the object of our desire. Right. They're, they're, they're means. Means, that's good. Yes, yep. yes. They're, they're, they're tools. They're helps. Yep. yep. Okay. The first one is to know the Bible. Know the Bible. And hey, what a great way to start. It's the beginning of a new year, and this is when everybody starts reading through the Bible again. It is January 7th as we record today. I wonder how many people have missed a day or two and are frantically reading and reading and reading today. You better get busy. Is that busy. what he's getting at you here? You better get busy. Read the entire turn, Bible Turn every year. off the pactum and get busy with your Bible reading program. <laughs> well, we kind of, that's in jest. It is in jest, Actually, yes. you, should, you should be reading the Bible. You should be, yes. 
With, with that said, I did have someone in my class, uh, one of those kind of smart mouth kind of mm. people. No, actually a friend say something like, yeah, this is good to read the Bible. But if you tell me I have to read the Bible through in a year, then you're saying more than the Bible says, mm. uh, like the papists. Sure. And I, it, it got my attention. It made me smile because I knew that this gentleman was thinking about where Marshall's coming from. Sure. Yeah. So is it good to read the Bible through in a year? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's good. But to have it be a mandate for sanctification isn't so good. Right, yeah. We should know what the Bible teaches. We have ready access. I wouldn't say we have readily access, but I think it's ready access. Yeah. One of the two. <laughs> um, at least when we're living in the here and now. So know what it says. And I like the way Marshall stresses, know what it says about what's most important. Mm. So there's no reason why Christians shouldn't know what the gospel is according to the Bible, what the gospel isn't according to the Bible. Right. And so he does a great job with that. Even in talking about second Timothy chapter three, verse 15, it's in the scripture that we learn about the gospel. It's Mm. in the scripture. We learn about how salvation works and how it doesn't work. Right. And so let's, let's know, what the Bible teaches. Let's be discerning, we might say. And he does a good job just giving good examples of know the Bible for these reasons. Right. Yeah. To know yep. who God is, to know what Christ has done, to know who you are apart from Christ, to know who you are in Christ. And one section that just made my made me smile, made made my heart sing, if you will, mm. is this section. You must know this is this is just an example, but this is this is going to be a great one. I know you'll appreciate this, Pactum listeners. You must know that Christ is the end of the law. Romans 10, 4. And therefore you must endeavor to know the commands of the law, not that you may be enabled by the knowledge to practice them immediately. And so to produce salvation by your works. No, not for that reason. He says, but rather by your knowledge of them, you may be made sensible of your inability to perform them and of the enmity that is in your heart against them and the wrath that you are under for breaking them and the impossibility of being saved by your own works that so you may fly to Christ for refuge. I love that. Mm. And trust only in the free grace of God for justification. And then he says this and strength to fulfill the law acceptably through Christ in your conversation or in your mm. be, in your behavior. Yeah, that's great. He, he covers his bases. He does. It makes me smile and think he understands law and gospel. Yes, yeah. He understands third use of, third the, use law. of the law. He yeah. understands how it works. So look look to God's requirements so that you'll see your inability, yeah. so you'll see your need for Christ, fly to Christ, flee to Christ, and then you will want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. you will want to imitate Christ, but it's in the right order. He is saying, know your Bible so you can know the ABCs and one, two, threes sure. like that and know the difference between law and gospel and not be a promoter of gospel. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's saying, where are you going to find that other than the scriptures? Yep, absolutely. So know the Bible, read the Bible. Know your Bible. And by us saying know your Bible, we're not saying know your Bible as an end in and of itself, right. so you can be a Bible bully, but know the Bible so that you can know Christ and you can know what he said about himself, about his salvation, about right. you. And we're, we're not adding to scripture because it, it, it's assumed that we would have a knowledge of the scripture. Sure. It's yep. expected that people have a knowledge of the scripture. We're not adding to, it's just part of the, part of the deal, right. part of the dealio. Yes. So first help, know the Bible. Second help that Walter Marshall gives us is examine yourself. This one, I, I was so pleased once again, pleased as punch, Michael. Pleased. Oh, wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. Triggered, wait. triggered. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not supposed to call you that. It's okay. Yeah. So if you call me Patrick, it'll it'll be weird too. I don't think I could get it out of my mouth. That's so just... you can call me Doctor if you want to. I will, Doctor. Yes. So I have to tell you that yesterday, my son Owen uh, got in trouble when he was at school because they had a substitute who was requiring that they call her Doctor. No. And he's just you know enough of a chip off the old block and doesn't really understand why no I say the things way. I say in certain contexts because <laughs> I don't like it when pastors say right. you know call me Doctor right. because get a life. So anyway, all of that doctorates are good. Don't, don't misunderstand. But anyway, he, he refused to call the teacher doctor. (laughs) He was calling her Mrs. Smith or whatever her name is. And she was yelling at him supposedly and threatening to send him to the office. Wow. So, um, my wife just looked at me and rolled her eyes. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Uh, Husband. It's the husband that God gave me. Yes. Well, so that was an opportunity to examine yourself. Is okay. That what we're yeah. Doing? <laughs> Let's get back to this. So, examine yourself. Examine yourself. This did make me happy because sometimes uh, people say, yeah, you need to examine yourself. And it is true because it's in the Bible. We have it in Second Corinthians chapter 5, for yeah. example. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. But Marshall is speaking about self-examination in a way that's not called to question your salvation if you're a believer in Christ. Right. Think about how weird that is. Mm. Uh, he's not trying to, he's not a pound of flesh preacher. Sure. Um, and we don't think the apostle Paul is either. We just think that that text is misused sometimes. Mm. So, um, and we'll get to that. So he's, he's not saying let's, let's examine ourselves. So as to deny or undermine sola fide, mm. uh, justification by grace alone through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, as we like to say so often, he's saying, no, don't do that, but you should look at your life. Mm, yeah. Look at your life as a Christian so that you can say, where, where am I honoring Christ? Yeah. Where am I not honoring Christ? Am I saying things that are dishonoring, that aren't edifying? Is my attitude wrong, that I'm not trusting in God and his goodness and his sovereignty? Uh, so whether it's our speech, our belief, our conduct, our actions, our ethics, he's saying this is good to do because as you study the Bible, you know what the mind of Christ is, you know what honor Christ. Look at your life. It's healthy. It's not healthy to say it doesn't matter how I talk. It's not healthy to say it doesn't matter what I believe because it grace, grace, grace. Right, right. <laughs> Examine yourself. Um, but he does say, I love this, begin this work of self-examination with, and I'm going to emphasize what he emphasizes, with much assurance of faith. Mm, yeah. He's not saying this is designed to take your assurance away, which right. is how pound of flesh preachers do it. Right, right. No, actually, you, there's no condemnation. So now examine your life so you could live out of gratitude to him. Talk about the win. Yeah. Out of that safe and secure standing in Christ. Exactly. Take a look and examine and see. So healthy to do it that way, not the other way. He's willing to say, look at fruit, look for fruit in your life. You should see it there. So he's not against conviction, but he's not about stealing people's joy that they do have from being secure in Christ. Yeah. Uh, As, as a digression, looking at the second Corinthians 13 text, which he doesn't deal with at length. It's fascinating to look at it in context and not have it just be used for spiritual abuse, Mm. but look at it in context. He's addressing people that need to see if they're in the faith, Hmm. the faith, as in the Christian faith, because they're questioning whether or not Christ is all in all. Hmm. They're questioning the substitutionary work of Christ. They're questioning Paul's legitimacy of apostleship. You know what? If you're denying the faith... You should question whether or not right. you're in the faith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's not probably what our famous preachers have made it out to be at times. Okay, let's do the next one. Number three, the third help. We're trying to help you with your 
spiritual maturity, help you with your conformity to Christ as, as we need help. So number three, we want to say meditate on scripture. Yeah. So meditation is good. Sometimes Christians freak out when they hear meditation because they think, Um. (laughs) right, (laughs) right. Uh, But meditation actually, even all, think about this, all of the kind of weird new agey, New Mexico, Eastern religion. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to say that because we just had church members moved to New Mexico. So I'm calling yeah. you out, Moody's, <laughs> calling you out. <laughs> Stay away from that stuff. Yeah. Nah, we love you. So what we want to do is we do want to meditate. And remember, God is the author of all of these things. All of the other false religions are just imitating in a bad sense. Mm, yeah. So meditation is actually good. The Bible talks about it. We should be, as Christians, meditating upon the truth of God Yeah. Yep. because we see it all over Scripture. And when we hear it, we think, oh, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, like, for example, Psalm 63, verse 5 and 6 says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Uh, other couple places here, First Peter chapter 2, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So again, meditating on Scripture, longing for that pure spiritual milk of the Word of God. And then finally, Psalm 119, uh, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. So just a few references, just a little sampling of where we see in Scripture that meditating on God and His Word is good and important for us in our sanctification in the Christian life. Bring satisfaction. I like the, it's great in that psalm. I'll, I will be satisfied with yeah. such things. So, and we're we're turning these things. I think of meditation as I'm turning them over in my mind. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it's affecting my heart. I'm thinking upon them. Yeah. What that's like. I'm. I'm maybe even asking questions. Sure. Uh, of how that works and what it looks like. Invariably, I end up praying because I'm thinking about these things and I'm asking God questions and I'm praising God for these things. So meditating, a lot of people have likened it to the to the to the cow. That, I was just going to say that, chewing, chews its yeah, cud, chewing on these things, whatever all that's about. So <laughs> the best fruit is from meditating and thinking these things through. I love those uh, ESV journals. Um, Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yep. one, one for each book of the Bible. Yeah, there's one for each book of the Bible, and it's I think one page on one side is the text itself, and the other side of the page is just blank with yep. writing space. Those are my absolute favorite things as of late because I just draw circles and write questions, and it ends up I feel my page is saturated with ink, hmm. but I'm hoping and praying that my heart is saturated too with what hmm. I'm what I'm thinking upon, what yeah. I'm meditating upon. It feels very inter- interactive. Hmm. Marshall says we must meditate believing on Christ and his saving benefits. Hmm. So again, if we're Christians, we, we meditate not out of fear and trepidation. We meditate believing on Christ and we see the beauty of his holiness and we see the riches of his grace extended to us. And we can see it throughout scripture because we're either reading the, the old in anticipation or reading the new in fulfillment. And so it is a beautiful thing. Think about what, what satisfies you. And there are many things that satisfy me, hmm. but ultimate satisfaction should and can come through this, and it's going to lead to your conformity unto Christ likeness because he was perfectly satisfied. Yeah. Let's move on to number four in this list. It's a list of 10 helps. Number four is baptism. Baptism. Remember your baptism, some folks like to say, and mm. I like to say that too. Remember your baptism. Mm. Not in the sense that I went to my grandfather's funeral and the preacher, she got up there and said that uh, somehow we know know he's in heaven because he was baptized as a baby. 
that's not what we're talking right. about. No. What we're talking about is remember your baptism. It's a great, splendid, in one sense, unrivaled picture of what it means to be united to Christ. Mm, yeah. Romans chapter 6, you have died with Christ, yeah. and you have been raised yes. with Christ, therefore live unto newness of life. Right. It is fantastic to consider what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, and baptism gives us this extraordinary, splendid picture of what it means to be united to Christ. Yeah. We don't think baptism unites you to Christ, but we do think it symbolizes. Mm -hmm. Some have preferred to use the word seal uh, because it's a stamp of authenticity, if you will. I mean, seal in that sense, sure, yeah. like a signet kind of ring. Uh, M Marshall says, beware also of making an idol of baptism and putting it in the place of Christ as the papists do. So we're not asking for that, but what a great, great teaching tool. What a great device. We have a baptism, a couple of baptisms coming yeah, up here week. at the church on Sunday, and I want everyone to remember their baptism. I want everyone to watch and observe uh, what it means to go into the grave and yeah. to come out anew, raised with Christ, and to be encouraged. Mm. Uh, that is a means of spiritual maturity mm. uh, to consider that. Yeah. And so Marshall asks, and I'll ask you, do you make good use of your baptism? Hmm. Uh, it, it's a good question to pose. I want to make better use of my baptism. So the one that we would expect to come next would be number five, right. uh, because oftentimes we talk about the two ordinances, the two sacraments, sacraments yeah. two means of grace, even though there are more than these two, but these are special and they're special because Rome had seven and the <laughs> Protestants said, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we do have the Lord's Supper uh, right. also as a means of grace. Right. Um, just think in terms of the Spirit of Christ uniquely ministering to us and the Spirit of Christ bringing spiritual strength to his people. And we do this in remembrance of him. We do this until he returns, as I like to say, because we forget. We mm -hmm. forget that salvation is of the Lord. We forget, therefore, we can be resting. We forget that we're in a safe position as heirs and we can live godly lives, not out of cowering fear of condemnation. No, his, it's because of what he's done. And when we eat and drink in remembrance of him, supernatural means of grace by the spirit of Christ, uh, it's, a, it's a great honor and a great pleasure and a great joy. And it's something we, we need to be participating in. Hmm. That's good. Well, Pat, before we get to number six in our list, I feel as though we might be starting to get a little slower, and we need a little pick-me-up, and I, 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 I can oh, see something down at the end of the table there you that can? looks quite interesting. I, I, you know, as a matter of fact, what I, is that? I did come bearing gifts today. You did. I see and that. So, That's and exciting. I, by now, we kind of have a reputation on the Pactum for our food and our beverage choices. Mm -hmm. Some of you probably aren't too into our conversations about this, but others, others are so interested. What is So this? I do have two cans because um, I have a zero sugar can, and then I also have the real can, and it's multicolored. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> the real can. Uh, it's Mountain Dew Spark. Spark. Have you had it yet? I haven't. Is Ooh. this new? It's, it's new. So my, my boys had it at our house. So Mountain Dew Spark, and it is with a blast of raspberry, raspberry lemonade. lemonade. Oh, mine says, and other natural flavors. Mm -hmm. So um, I've already had my coffee. Okay, and I've already had actually a, a, another one of those crazy monster drinks, um, but I think we need to have a little taste test here on the Pactum. Sniff test first. Mm -hmm. Oh, mine smells pretty good. I can smell it. Yeah. Uh, it smells mine smells raspberry-ish. Like a little bit like artificial flavoring, but let, yeah. let, let's do it. Ah. Oh, 
It's raspberry for sure. It's it's raspberry lemonade. Amazing. Amazing. They're true to Carbonated form. raspberry lemonade uh-huh. here in Mar- is I, it, Since it's called Spark, is this supposed to like be super caffeinated or what's the... No, I don't think so. Just I, my, regular, huh? I don't really know. It has some kind of crazy looking car eating raspberries and lemons. A lot of smoke. Smoke and mirrors. Smoke I think that might be a good nickname since you don't like to call like me to call you <laughs> Michael. <laughs> I'm going to call you Sparky. Sparky. <laughs> Hey Your there, Sparky. I've got Jesus. pie at my house. Sparks to light the world. <laughs> Sparky. Okay, that's now that that's, I don't know. That might trigger. Whole new levels of weirdo, weirdo, weirdo. Well, that's, that's interesting. I mean, Mountain Dew's got tons of flavors out these days, and I'd, I hadn't seen this one yet. I can't uh, keep up with all of them. It's crazy. I couldn't even tell you what my favorite one is. Maybe the the original one. So Probably you know, so. One, since we we just talked about the Lord's Supper and we just cracked open cans of Mountain Dew, uh-huh. um, <laughs> there is no connection. There is not any. There connection. is no connection, and so and it, using orange juice at your and, at your house when you're on vacation. You know, just remember, I think it's five times because I did check when you come together, when, when you, you come, come together, together, when you come together, when you come together, when you come together. So we're just going to go ahead and stick with the bread and wine when you come together five times. When again. So corporate ordinance, we are moving, moving on. on. Number we're six on. on the list of helps from Walter Marshall is prayer. Okay. Prayer is going to be an easy one, I think, for us, provided we don't do what Marshall warns against, mere lip, lip labor. labor. Again, we, there's so many good marketing ideas. Mm-hmm. Mere lip labor. Mere lip labor. <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're friends with someone, you talk to them. And we mm-hmm. were God's enemies, and now we're his friend. And I'm not trying to demean things. He right. is our father. He is still the sovereign king. Right. But we're heirs, and we're now friends. We've been reconciled to him. Uh, you know, I, I call my best friends on the phone, or I text them, and or I call my wife. It drives me crazy when I, I call my wife and she doesn't answer. Mm. I want to talk to my wife, right. and I right. want to talk to her whenever I want to talk to her. And hopefully... Hopefully, Mike, it drives her crazy when she calls me and I don't answer. Right, yes. But when you have a good relationship with someone, you're not afraid, you're not hesitant, Mm. you don't have any kind of um, hesitancy. Right, yep. So we want to encourage you to talk to God. Yes, to talk to God appropriately. Um, And one way you learn how to talk to God appropriately is you read the scripture. You read the Psalms. We're going to get to the Psalms. But there's all different sorts of emotions um, involved. There's all, you can ask God questions. You can cry out to God in desperation. Uh, You can praise God for his goodness and his faithfulness. You can confess your sins to God. Uh, Marshall does a good job of saying uh, we don't have to follow one prescribed form. Hmm. He even warns about misusing the Lord's Prayer, so-called. He's not against it. Don't get us wrong. Mm. But he says, read all of Scripture and learn how to pray. Yeah. uh, And learn how to pray appropriately as a Christian. And I find in one sense in my Christian life, it's harder to pray because I struggle with sin in different ways. But in another sense, if I can try to keep things simple and know God is for me and I'm an heir uh, and I can learn from even how my other good, enjoyable relationships go, I talk to God. I talk to God about all uh, about things all the time, hmm. and I think that's a good sign. Yeah, that is. What we want to do in all of this, and our author wants to do, and Protestants want to do, and Christians want to do, is the Bible says pray, so pray. Yeah. And the Bible tells you how to pray. Jesus tells us 
gives us a lot of the different aspects of prayer. So follow those, but be really cautious about making them something that the Bible never mandates. Right. So these are means of grace, but they're biblically prescribed means. So if someone says, well, you have to pray like this, we hope you get your red flags up. Yep. Not to mention your dander. Yes, yeah. And as one great theologian said about prayer, let us pray, let us pray everywhere in every way, every moment of the day, it is the right time. Okay, moving on to... Who said that? Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> oh, my. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh, we, moving on we, to number we, seven. We better move on to number seven, and then I promise eight is fast, and oh, nine is um, fast. Psh- I didn't even realize what I did there. You didn't? I didn't. Oh. I, I am so dad-ish. You are. With, five, with five kids. Man, that's good. Well, oh. let's do number seven, okay. then we can get to the fast number eight. Okay. Okay, number seven, singing sacred songs. And he actually says singing psalms, mm-hmm. and so I know that makes our exclusive psalmody friends really, really digging really them happy. some, some Marshall. <laughs> so, and we do have such friends. Shout out to you. We know you're packed in verse listeners. Yes. Uh, but then he goes on to say, Marshall goes on to say, much to your chagrin. In, perhaps <laughs> um, there, what he actually means is singing sacred songs. So he even includes the Song of Solomon. Oh, really? Yeah. So how's that going to go for us on Sunday? I think we just won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> at least certain portions, maybe? right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but what he's getting at is the fact that the Scripture calls us to sing sacred songs, spiritual songs, right. hymns, psalms, psalms quoting Ephesians chapter yep. five, also Colossians. Three, yep. uh, it's it's a good thing we're commanded to sing. Yep. And so it's okay to call singing sacred songs a spiritual discipline. Yeah. It's good for you, and if you read the Colossians and Ephesians texts, it's actually good for other people as well. Yeah. So we sing to the Lord, we sing for our own good, we sing for the good of others. So we can call it a spiritual discipline that it's mandated from God. It's not extra biblical. It's not something that some Catholic mystic thought up Hmm. uh, and that thoughtless Protestants are trying to imitate. Yeah. Uh, Jab, jab, jab. (laughs) No, it's not that at all. I do like it that Marshall also talks about how we can sing the Old Testament, whether it be the Psalms or other portions, Mm, because we as Christians understand that some of these things, no, in one sense or another, uh, they all point to Christ. So we can sing them Christianly. So that does actually give a refutation to people saying, well, we shouldn't sing Old Testament things because they're not Christian. Hmm. Uh, Oh, Oh. maybe they actually are. Right. uh, As long as we're not post-enlightenment. Right. So jab, jab, jab. Ready to move on? Yeah. Let's keep going. Number eight, fast will be... It says fasting, but I said we were going to do it fast and I didn't even know I created it. Is that called a pun? Yes, it is a pun. Number eight, fasting. Okay. I personally, and and I'm sure we have listeners who are going to disagree, and that's all fine and good because we can agree on other more important things, but I'm still trying to find in the New Testament, in the New Covenant era, the mandate for biblical fasting. Hmm. So maybe you fast, Mike, but I shouldn't know about it. How about that for being biblical? There you go. Right? Yep. Yep. Let me Um, do it in front of you so you can know and see how holy and spiritual I am, Pat. Right. I haven't eaten days. And it looks like you've bathed sometime recently. It looks like so. So if you do fast, I don't know it. But what I'm getting at is uh, you find fasting in the New Testament, but in the New Testament where you're still talking about the old covenant Mm. pre-work of Christ being done and all of those sort of things. So I'm still... I'm I'm not convinced. So for people to say you must fast at these certain times to grow in godliness, I, I'm at a place where I'm not buying it. I read the John Piper book on fasting, and it left me wanting. Hmm. I thought I, I, you didn't convince me. I, I 
I'm just not sure this is actually right. Um, I, I guess it goes along with some other things. I read Don Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines, not convinced of fasting as a new covenant ordinance, uh, not to mention he, t- he talks about uh, silence and solitude. Uh, he talks about journaling. So since we're off on this topic of things that I'm not convinced are new covenant ordinances, um, I think we end up perhaps borrowing either from a different era or from other religions uh, and learning these spiritual disciplines as opposed to Christianity. That's where I'm coming from. So uh, maybe sometimes fasting in actuality, whether it's in the old or new, comes as a result of a crisis, as a result of Mm -hmm. a time when the normal flow of life is interrupted because of a great loss, you're grieving, um, and it's not the mandate for spiritual maturity. Sure. So. Now, I realize there are other passages. Big decisions are being made, whether it be about leaders or something like that. First, I'll say it's descriptive, I think, in the book of Acts, not prescriptive. And then also, yeah, that might be true, and I might do that. But for me to tell Christians this is a spiritual discipline you must be doing, I think is um, is a foul. Yeah, Mike, we need to go faster. We we're need going, to go faster. We're going we long. need to have more Mountain Dew spark. We get a little spark in our step. I just took that one drink, and I'd have to tap out. Maybe, maybe it's it's, the, not, it's not terrible, but I'm starting to feel a little shaky. And I've only had three drinks. So oh I don't know. boy! Look okay. out. Next one, number nine, is avoiding, avoiding vows, vows. Yep, which is not a spiritual. Di- maybe it is a spiritual discipline. It's a it's a spiritual discipline to avoid <laughs> vows. <laughs> I like it. Marshall basically gives one paragraph, and he just drops the gauntlet. Uh, it's punchy. He's against such things. I love the quote, the devil will urge you to vow and then break that he may perplex your conscience the more. <laughs> so in other words, Satan wants you to take a vow because he knows you're not going to keep it. And then yep. you're just going to be all the more jacked up in your head. Yep. So maybe let's be slow to make resolutions that aren't biblical. Right. Because yeah. you're just going to break you're it anyway. Break and you're just going to feel worse. So look to the ultimate one who is resolute. I guess this does kind of bleed over a little bit to the fasting thing because sometimes we're, we're mandated to go without things and we, we promise mm. uh, for this, this amount of time we're not going to eat chocolate or eat steak or wh- sure, whatever yeah. it is. So I think that would go along the same lines and, and it's problematic. Marshall doesn't mean you can't take an oath in a court of law. Sure. Marshall yep. doesn't mean you can't uh, exchange wedding vows. Yep. That's yep. not what he's talking about. Right. Uh, and if you read Protestant confessions, they're going to say, no, it's okay to do those things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's not a problem. Let's round it out quickly because I know you need to talk about some merch. Some merch. Merch. Stuff, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm kind of done talking about it as merch. By the way, I I think gear gear, gear, is, gear is yeah I like gear. Merch is kind of cheap. Yeah, and I don't like cheap gear. I'm with you. Gear is better. I'm not, gear. Okay, so we do number ten, and number ten is a big one. In fact, it includes some of the other ones. Number ten is fellowship. Yes, yeah. and really, what he's getting at is church life, mm-hmm. and he covers all of these different aspects. And we want to encourage you to be doing the things that you do with other Christians because God has saved us not to be Lone Ranger Christians. Right. He's yep. saved us, uh, as the kids like to say, to be in community. Right. Uh, so we're going to be with <laughs> we're going to be with other people. Yeah. So we do ordinances with other people. Right. When we gather, we don't together. do them alone. When we gather together, so fellowshipping, striving together, standing firm in one spirit—that's together. We've got things like we console one another. Um, mm-hmm. when we, when we need comfort, we need pray, people to be praying for, for us and we can pray for other people. So really what we want to encourage you to do and be is if you're a man to be a churchman. Yep. I like that old kind of label. Churchman. If I weren't a pastor, I would want somebody to say he was a churchman. He was committed to the church. Not that all churches are good. They're not all good, but com- 
being committed as a churchman or a church woman. Yep. Um, so what we want, what we do want to do is to be committed to the thing that God is committed to the bride, the church, we're a part of it. Mm. And that's where so much of our spiritual growth occurs. Yeah. We bear one another's burdens. Yeah. We love one another. We have a love for other Christians. So much of what happens in our spiritual growth and maturity is, is us using our giftedness and benefiting from the giftedness of others. And so in my early Christian life, I was anti-church because I was raised in a church that really was a dead church, only to read the Bible, get converted, and then realize that that Bible that led me to Christ actually is also the Bible that emphasizes the priority of the local church mm. for my godliness. Mm. And so we definitely want to be all about that and emphasizing that. I like the fact that Marshall says men and women, boys and girls, should do all they can to make local churches as good as they can be, hmm. to to invest and to to have that church be reformed in its commitment to its basic biblical doctrines. Yeah, that's really good. Yep. Okay, Mike, we need to round things out. Do you want to talk about gear? Yeah, Pactum Gear. Let's round out the episode, talk about Pactum Gear. We want to let you know that we posted on Twitter and Instagram this past week that our hats are now finally available for purchase. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to have one by my July vacation, and yeah. it's December. It's, so it's, it's Christmas December. in July. You know, hey, we Ju- got it done. It's 4th of July in whatever. <laughs> it's Christmas in July. So, Chris, anyway, Pactum Gear, we've got hats available for you on the website. I think there are like six different options to choose from, uh, six different styles of hats and all these kinds of So we have a things. Pentecostal version if you're a Pentecostal. You're right. We yeah. have an Arminian version if you're Arminian. We should have named them all those different that types That actually would have been fun. We still can. We can change it. But we want to let and you know. And if you're sanctified, you'll wear a flat bill. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sanctified. So we want to let you know those are available for to you. Uh, you can order them there. They ship out with, within about a week of each order being placed. So we want to thank you for listening today to this episode on these 10 helps for Christians in their sanctification. And we want to remind you that you can find us on Twitter at The Pactum, on Instagram at The Pactum Theology. You can also be in touch with us on email, connect at thepactum.org. And if you didn't catch the title of the book we discussed today and the chapter we drew from, it is The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification by Walter Marshall. Specifically today, we were talking about chapter 13 with these 10 helps. Yep, and you can find that book PDF version. You can find it on monergism.com. You can, yes. So thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you here next time on The Pactum. The Pactum.